Hey, good morning, Heartland. How are y'all doing today? I mean, there were some claps earlier, so, uh, you know, maybe, okay. I going to say, it just went downhill real fast, okay? Once you, once you handed things over, we could not be more thrilled to be here with you this morning. It's actually our second Sunday visiting with you all. We came back in May. Most of the people had no clue who we were, but we, we knew who you were because we could see Christ through uh, Dr. Kendrick and Nancy and through the staff, and they've been so encouraging and, and helpful to us. But then when we came and visited you all, I mean, just blew us away with, with the love and the kindness that you showed us, the opportunity to worship with you. And we have three children, uh, Lacey and I do. We've got a five-year-old, three-year-old, and one-year-old, two boys and a girl, and Titus is our oldest, and he still talks about visiting children's ministry to this day. Like, I had so much fun. It was great. And so to, to Pastor Doyle and the whole team in kids ministry, you've already had an impact on our family in so many ways. And, and now to get to partner together for kingdom, this is awesome. This is awesome what God has done. He is the one pulling the strings. He is sovereignly at work bringing the body together to work for the kingdom. And so he has called us to plant a church in Bradenton, uh, the Sarasota area. And that's uh, it's Manatee County in Bradenton, and that's Sarasota County for, for Sarasota. But, you know, the question has got to be asked, why Bradenton? What, what's so you know, unique about there? Well, you might not know this, but in that area, there are less churches per capita than in Miami-Dade County. There are almost a million people in the Bradenton metro population area, and you can probably count on two, maybe three hands, the number of healthy, gospel-preaching, Bible-believing churches that are making disciples. Like they actually know what their purpose is, and, and, and they're a part of God's plan. And so we see this need, and God was growing a desire in our hearts to be in that area. We already have some family in that area, so we visited a few times our hearts grew for that area and for the people. And then when we saw this partnership come together with, with Heartland Church, I mean, God just answered so many prayers to get us to this point. And so truly, it is a privilege to be here this morning to open the Word. I'm excited to see what God has for us. What's the Word He has for both of our churches, Heartland and Living Hope and the Church Universal. But first, let's pray. Let's ask Him to speak to us. Heavenly Father, I thank You. This is Your Word. This is Your Gospel. You are amazing. And I just pray as a result of, of my, my simple lips, Lord, whatever I say would be your word, would, been, would make much of you, and would pull back the curtain on the amazing plan you have for every single one of us. And we get to be a part of that. God, that plan starts and ends with Jesus Christ. Would he be exalted today? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3? Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. I want to look at what it means to become an extraordinary church. Now, what, what differentiates an extraordinary church from just your ordinary, normal church? Well, well, Paul's prayer is going to help us unpack that a bit. But um, quite honestly, I think we all know what the normal American church is. It's a social club. It's a social hour. It's where your parents went to church. It's where your grandparents went to church where your kids are going to go to church too, okay? Like you put your, your family name on it and you just, you show up, kind of do your thing, you know, either sit for an hour and go or, you know, maybe you have your little niche and you, you do your thing and you go and, but then no one's lives are changed. And we go out the same way that we came in, just sang some songs and, and listened to a preacher talk. But an extraordinary church 
receives the word, sees what God is doing with his eyes, responds with hearts of faith, and embraces his extraordinary plan for them. And because it's his plan, because it's his name on it, because it's his gospel going forth, that church is extraordinary (laughs) because it's God at work in us. It's not us. It's never about us. So let's read this passage here, see what Paul has to say about it, and how we might pray that for our, our church and ourselves. He says in verse 14, Now for this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, and that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And all God's people said, amen. What a prayer. So there you have it. I'm not making this up. God desires far and above anything that we could ask and think for our lives. That's his desire for us. It's what he wants to do. Paul says, that's what I pray for. That's what I want for this church. And I don't want to assume that everyone knows who Paul is. Maybe you're hearing like, I don't know who this Paul guy is or why his prayer is so effective. Well, Paul, frankly, was a scoundrel, okay? He was an enemy of Christ. He was an enemy of the church. He wanted nothing to do with the church other than to beat him up, throw him in prison, or kill him. Just get rid of these Christian people. And he was on his way down to a place called Damascus, and he was going to harass the Christians there. And Jesus stopped him right in his tracks on that road and appeared to him in a bright light. This is resurrected Jesus appearing to Paul. Changed his life rescued him from that life of sin and rebellion. And Paul repented, put his faith in Christ. Then he went back to those same places where he used to brag about what he did to the Christians. And now he said, I am a Christian and Jesus is alive and risen. And let me tell you what he did for my life. And that started a movement. And we see churches start to pop up around the Mediterranean as the gospel spreads going from Jerusalem around the world. And Paul is a planter, a church planter and a missionary. And he planted the church at Ephesus. You can read about it in Acts 19 and 20. I won't take the time to go there, but that might be a good place to go for your morning devotions. And just see, what does it look like for God to do exceedingly above all that we could ask or think? And Ephesus is the case point. But here's the deal. Paul is praying for this church that they would realize this. It's not a natural response. It's not a natural path. God has to be all over it. And so we see that there are a few things that a church that is, in order to become an extraordinary church, we have to get this. And we're just going to follow Paul's prayer to understand what that is. First of all, we have to understand that we embody the name of our extraordinary father. We embody the name of our extraordinary father. Look look at what he says. For this reason, 
I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. A.W. Tozer, who's a well-known theologian from, from years past, said, what you think about God is the most important thing about you. So when I say God, what comes to your mind? If it's not Father, if it's not His Son, Jesus Christ, you don't have that family relationship, well, I got some good news for you today. That's a really good news. We serve an awesome God. We exist because of Him. In fact, the whole book of Ephesians, Paul talks about this family relationship. He is Father, and He chose to adopt us Like he's crazy in love with us and he chose to adopt us into his family. Back in chapter one, verse five, he says, in love, he predestined us for adoption. He says, hey, I love you. I want you in my family. The problem is we have messed things up. We were born in sin and we do not have that family relationship. So I cannot honestly say from my heart that we are all God's children around this world. It's not true. Let's see what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2. There is some bad news, and he gets to some great news. He says, You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the princes of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised up with Him, And seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. That's my God. That's my daddy. I was born in sin, I was a mess. We don't have time. For me today to talk about the mess that I was before Jesus and as I learned to walk in Jesus. I mean, I'm a project. I'm, I'm standing here in front of you by God's grace. But he's a loving father and a loving father pursues the prodigal son and he chased me down and he loved me. But adoption is a messy process. It's not clean. It's not natural. There's legal requirements, there's time requirements, there's adjustments in the family, there's, there's, there's costs to it. And I have a family member that's going through the adoption process. I know there's some of you that have gone or are going through the adoption process or, or maybe God's leading you in that direction. But in order for God to adopt children of wrath, the legal requirements had to be met. And guess what? You and I are never going to do that. I'm, I'm only ever going to sin because I'm a sinner. My heart just makes idols all the time. I can never be right with him. So God the Son took on human flesh, and he lived the perfect life. He kept all the righteous requirements of God's law. He obeyed the Father's will in every way. He was perfect. 
promises fulfilled. And then he offered up his life, and he paid the price for our adoption. His blood covers our sins. And when we accept that gift by faith, the adoption is made complete. God did all the work. I just say, wow, God, you are awesome, and I love you, and I want you to be my, be my dad. And I think it's pretty cool how every time you guys come in and worship here in Heartland, you literally come to worship with reminders of the price that's been paid to give you access to the Father. That's our God, okay? Heartland Church are sons and daughters of the Most High God, if in fact He is in you. So no wonder Paul says, I bow my knees before the Father. I mean, if if He did all that to win my heart, don't you think He cares about you today? And what his plan is for you today and tomorrow and the next day, everything. He's a loving father. He wants to know everything about, he wants us to know everything about him. And he wants us to see what he sees, an extraordinary plan. So much greater than we could ever ask or think. So much better than a social club. I mean, the world is full of social clubs, okay? Boating clubs and fishing clubs and and sports clubs and football clubs. And, but what is this? This is a group of people that have been stamped with the name of God, the living God, and he's alive in here. He's bringing us together for his purposes. So when we recognize that, okay, we, uh, we, 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 we um, embody the name of our extraordinary God. Now we embrace, we embrace his extraordinary work in us. Paul says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So Jesus didn't come to make my life better or make me a better person or clean me up a little bit. He didn't come just to save me from hell and save me for heaven, although by God's grace, I can say that he did that. He came so he could completely turn my life around. Like the Apostle Paul went from a Christian terrorist to the greatest missionaries of all time. How does that happen? That's the mark of God's grace on your life. You don't even recognize, like, I know I'm not Jesus. I know I'm not perfect. I got a long way to go. By God's grace, I'm not who I used to be. That's because of God's extraordinary work in us. He, Paul specifically says, according to the riches of his glory. It's a special phrase. I want to highlight that, okay? Because riches, that word, it's the same word that's used in verse 8, so if you have your Bible open, you can glance back at, at Ephesians 3.8, and you see what the riches are. He says, I was given these riches. I'm, an, I'm a steward of these riches. It's the gospel. Paul says, the gospel are the riches of God's glory. How do I get the fullest picture of who God is and, and his love? And it's right there. It's the cross of Jesus Christ in the empty grave. He turns graves into gardens. This is our God, and this is the work He's doing in each one of us. And He's crazy rich, crazy rich. So much grace to save every single soul on this planet if we will come to Him by faith. That's the power that He has, and He wants to do that work in us. You know, what's awesome is Lacey and I have embraced God's call on us, and we're walking by faith to plant this church. And by the way, my parents are with me, Dennis and Chris Comas, and they're going to be part of the leadership team and, and the church plant with us. They're already in Bla- Bradenton, blazing the trail and, and helping us get set up there. It's so exciting to do that with them. And as we walk by faith, Lacey and I have been having what we call vision nights in our home. And we're, we're in Apex right now, so we got 
friends and family, uh, you know, or not, you know, spiritual family, friends and family from our church coming in our home. And Lacey's an amazing cook and baker, and she bakes these blueberry and chocolate chip muffins that are just to die for. And then we got some hot coffee and tea. And we share with people what God's doing in our life. And as I look around the room of our latest vision night, I mean, I see an incredible work that God has done in the people who are there. One of them is, is a man named Frank. And Frank is a, a friend of mine. He's the sweetest man. He is, he is a senior saint in our church. But Frank used to be a scoundrel. Frank used to be a drug smuggler. And he would bring in plane loads of heroin and other drugs into the country in his former life. He, he will tell you, if there was any sin that you could do, I was doing it. Not I could do it, I was doing it, okay? That was Frank. And then he got arrested. And then like Paul, God arrested his attention and in prison he came to Christ. And the dramatic transformation. The Frank we have now sitting in our vision night is a prayer warrior of like, I don't think I've ever seen before. I mean, what a godly man who loves. Praise God for that. Man, you would never know. He's a deacon. He is a man of prayer. And he's the one who's been telling me more than anyone else, hey, you were called to be a lead pastor. I see it on you. I see the calling on your life. You know, how did that transformation happen? Guys, do you see the extraordinary work that God's doing? From the inside out. That means today. Today his riches are available. If there's a sin that's holding you back, confess that. Do we really believe that Jesus is Lord over all? Then there's no sin that's too great for him to overcome. There's hope for your marriage. That's one of the reasons we, we call a Living Hope Church. Whether you're married or single or you know, senior adult or a child, God wants to change your life. He does that through the good news of Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? Do you embrace it? And if we do, if we do embrace that, that changes how our church looks. And Paul will give us a picture here of a tree. How a church, a gathering of believers together, is like a tree. And we grow in that extraordinary work of God that he's doing in our life. So that work starts, first of all, down at the roots. Okay? So the extraordinary work of Christ, the whole tree, we've got to examine the roots of our faith. He says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love. Okay? Christ came to take up residence in our hearts. And even though most of you have never met me, and I've never met you, and, uh, you know, we, we, we've come from different backgrounds, my, one of my favorite theologians, Paul David Tripp, says this, when you put your faith in Christ, your location and address changed, and now your zip code is grace. So whatever zip code you live in, it's like, oh yeah, that's where I live. No. Not if you're part of the family of God. His house is grace. So that's why the church universal, we share the same father. We have the same bond in God's grace. That's where we live. He lives with us. He dwells with us. It's a permanent relationship. Now, in contrast to that, Lacey and I moved into our home in Apex about two years ago, which we've lived in Apex for a while, but, but this, this home we moved into, and we noticed our neighbor had a tree across the fence. That tree was looking a little sickly, okay? It, it didn't look so great. It was a little, uh, little, little dead on the inside and weak, and, but it had some green on it. 
and I mean, okay, so I guess there's some life there. Had some, some cable lines wrapped around it. So it's kind of supporting that to run down to our neighbor's house, which I don't recommend, you know, for, you know, city workers or people, but they apparently thought this tree would hold it up. Well, newsflash, we had a big thunderstorm come through and, and sheets of rain descending on our house at midnight. And we're sleeping in our room, not knowing that that tree had fallen over inches away from our bedroom window. Just and by God's grace, he stopped it there. So it didn't, didn't do any damage, but you can see the lines hanging on it. You can see like it could have caused a lot of damage. So Paul says, how are the roots of your church? Are you rooted in the love of Christ? It's easy to get caught up in programs and activities and busyness. And here's what our church does. An extraordinary church understands it's not about what we do. It's about who we are. We're rooted in Christ. And he keeps us rooted in the ground. (laughs) rooted in who we are meant to be. Gospel work is root work. We're constantly tending our roots. Secondly, we experience the love of God together. So we, we get strengthened from our roots and we grow up in maturity together. Paul says, we may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Okay, so... For this reason, he said that in verse 14, because of the gospel, this is my prayer. And this is the heart of his prayer, that the church of, of Ephesus would be unified, that they'd be strengthened, that they would grow up in their faith. And if you're sitting here this morning, you say, oh, good, I am mature. I'm already grown up in my faith. No, you're not, okay? Because I'm tempted to think that too. Paul says, that's why we got to pray. We're daily seeking God's grace to grow in maturity and experience what what Warren Wearsby, another theologian, says is God's four-dimensional love. Okay? So you saw that, right? We we saw the height and the breadth and the length and the depth. He says, with all the saints, we need all the saints to comprehend this. God didn't save you by accident. You're part of this family. So as a family, we show God's love to one another. That's so different from just how people ordinarily do church. We show up, we sit down, you know, you hear about God's love, okay? So God loves me, okay? One dimension, huge dimension, not downplaying it. The second dimension is, oh, my pastor's talking, okay? So I I feel the love my pastor has for me. Great. Second dimension. But then they go and they're flat Christians. No, no, no. We're part of this family so then we can love one another, third dimension. And as we love one another, we make disciples of Jesus Christ, and we see the breadth of God's family taking over. Fourth dimension. I experienced this myself. Just two weeks ago, I was down in Panama, took a group of students and leaders down there so we could show the love of God to the people of Panama. We could work with the missionaries that are already down there. I'll tell you what, my faith was grown and strengthened we worked on the mountaintops with some churches in the mountaintops, working with people that will never get down to the city. You know, do not have internet access. Don't. So people have to go to them and, and share Christ. But I'll never forget, one night we were driving in the streets of Panama City. It's about 9.30 at night. Panama City, 
shuts down at 10. People have to be in their homes because of, because of COVID. But at 9.30, we're trying to feed as many homeless people as we can. We've got 70 sandwiches and cookies and bottles of water. And I can tell you that is not near enough for the number of homeless people in Panama City. But it made a difference in those people's lives. And we got to show God's love to them. And I'll never forget one stop. We pull the van over to the side of the road. And David, who's the missionary, says, hey, who wants to go with me across the street? And I'm riding shotgun. And if you're riding shotgun, I think that's kind of in the job description. You're going you're gonna to back up the driver. Okay, yeah, I'll go. I'll go, David. So I get out of the van. We go across the street. And over here on the street corner, there's an elderly man. There's bags of trash on the ground. He's literally ripping open trash bags and eating from them. I'll never forget that. And we get to walk up to him and we get to say, comida? And food? And we've got some fresh, freshly made sandwiches and cookies and clean, crisp bottle of water. And we hold that out to him. And he lifts up his hands to receive it and there's trash literally dripping from his fingertips. And we get to give him food. And say, Dios te bendiga. God bless you. I got to show God's love to that man. And do you know why I got to show God's love to that man? We got to change some lives on the streets of Panama City that night. Because that missionary was faithful to love the people of Panama. And we joined him in that work. And so we got to show God's love in a way we didn't normally get to do that. And then we got back to the team hotel that night. I asked the team, hey, what was the most powerful moment of that night. I was surprised. Several of them said, when you fed that homeless man. What? That stuck out to you? There's a lot of other things. I mean, that stuck out to me, but you know why that stuck out to them? Because they were watching. And they watched me be able to show the love of God to that homeless man. And I was able to share that love because of the missionary. And we all were able to share that because of the first dimension of God's love. Four-dimensional love. Friends, that's why the church is here. Because we say God is love, but if we don't love our neighbors, there's no difference between the church and the world. It's love recklessly, radically, with love for one another. Not only do we... um, do we grow in strength together? There's a purpose for that. And that's the last point I want to make this morning. We grow in strength and unity so then we can expand the kingdom of God. What does a tree do when it's mature and strengthened? It produces things, doesn't it? it produces leaves, fruit. That's what it was made for. There you go. That's right. Yeah, name, name your favorite fruit, whatever. You know, the tree is not there just to exist in and of itself. It was planted for a purpose. Our purpose is to make disciples of all nations for the glory of God. It doesn't stop with us. God wants to do an extraordinary work through us to expand his kingdom. Paul says that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That reminds me of John 10.10. Jesus said, I came that you would have life and have it abundantly. You translate that, live it to the full. You live a half Christian life, you're going to end up with a whole mess. Jesus came for more than that. That we would embrace the fullness of God's plan. 
that we would have the love and the joy and the peace that come with the Spirit, the peace that passes all understanding, the living hope that's within us, and we share that with others. And like Paul and like Frank and like Josh and like you, they too get to experience the love of God that radically transforms them. But I'm not up here to sell something to you this morning. I'm not going to say, hey, you know, you're not going to be an extraordinary church unless you support Living Hope Church. Okay, no, no. I don't work that way. I'm here to tell you, you already have everything that you need within you to do what God's called you to do. The power of the gospel, where you're rooted, is how you're strengthened, and it's how we produce fruit. It's how we make disciples. There's no secret sauce. There's no secret at all. It's simple. Love God, love each other, and love the world. Right? You grow in that, we bear more fruit. We confess sin that's holding us back from that, and we're set free. We ask God, God, where are you at work around us? Buckle your seatbelt, because he will show you, and your life will never be the same. I can say that for me and for my family. We prayed for months and months and months. God, we know you're doing something. We know you're stirring our hearts. We don't know what. Show us, show us. And Pastor Ed, Dr. Kendrick, recommended the Experiencing God Bible Study by Henry Blackaby, which I highly recommend. I had never done it. I've heard of it. And he shipped us a couple books. He said, do it. So Lacey and I did it. And part of the process is saying, God, where are you at work around me? And right around that time, we had a call from North American Mission Board. And God opens door after door after door And I'm standing in front of you today saying we are planting a church in Bradenton, Sarasota. And I cannot believe those words are coming out of my mouth. That God would choose to use me and my wife, my mom and my dad, and and the team that's going to go with us. But it's not because there's anything secret about it. It's asking God to show you. Because we already have everything we need inside of us. So as as we conclude, and as I wrap up, as we consider Paul's prayer, let's ask ourselves a few mental questions. So what is God's will for this church? Heartland Church. Why are you here in Winter Haven and not in Panama? Why are you here and not in LA or London? God's got you here for a purpose, and it's going to be far better than anything you could imagine or think. So what is it? We pray for that. Is there anything in my life that is hindering me from enjoying the fullness of relationship with Jesus? Do I even have a relationship with Jesus? If you do not, if you cannot call on God as your father because of the access you have with Jesus, we need to talk because it's very simple. You either ask him to adopt you or you don't. And there are, there's a prayer team in the back that they would love to meet you afterwards. They're wearing a lanyard. You can find them. I think their shirts are purple. Is that right? They would love to introduce you to Jesus. And we have some prayer stations up here. You can talk to the Father. Anything that's holding you back in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your work, in your education, in your, in your social circles, give that to the Lord and be ready. Be ready for Him to work. How I'm going to conclude this morning is I am going to pray this passage over your church. I want this to be the application because I believe if we truly get this, We should want this for Heartland Church, for Living Hope Church. 
but it's only going to happen by the power of the Spirit. We need Him to work. We need Him to change hearts and lives. And I'm going to pray on my knees because that's what Paul did. And, and I know my pride and I just, I need to kneel before the Father and I'm going to ask Him to help us. And I would invite you, if you are physically able and God has stirred your heart to join me on your knees or kneel in your heart because this is so much bigger than any one of us. God, you are our reason for being here today. You're our reason for life itself and for hope. Jesus, you are our Savior. I pray that people saw how awesome you are through the worship today. God, we bear your name. We don't exist as a, as a people unto ourselves. We exist as a holy people for your name's sake. So I pray, God, by your power, by the gospel, would you strengthen this church? Would you unify the leadership, and the staff, the church, the groups, the student ministry, the children's ministry? God, strengthen this church. And I pray that you would strengthen the roots and the maturity of Living Hope Church. God, help me to be strong as I rely on you to lead this work. God, I pray that we would know the four-dimensional love of Christ. Let us be blown away by who you are and be filled with your fullness. God, we believe you. You say you will do far more than we'd ever dream of. And that power is already within us. Help us to turn on the ignition and get moving. Would you be glorified in this? Glorified in the church, in our families, and Living Hope Church and Heartland Church, and the churches still yet to be named for future generations. Amen.